All right, you ready? Yeah. Welcome to the Monarch Review Podcast. My name is Sean, and right over there... Your number one man, Jake. That's right, Jake. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm a little hungry, but uh, other than that, it's great. I, I had some um, leftover Mexican fried rice with mayonnaise last night at about 2 in the morning. How high were you? That sounds disgusting. I wasn't high. I was I was coming back from the Sea Monster Lounge, one of our favorite <sighs> spots. I almost texted you. Dude, actually. I was in that area. I was at the Octopus Bar last night. You were at the Octopus Bar? I almost went over there. It was like you, right there. Uh, that's bummer. my first time being there last night. It was yeah. so cool. I was there probably around 11, 11.30. Yeah. What time were you at the, at the Sea I, Monster? I think I got the Sea Monster about 12.15. Oh my God. We were probably leaving about that time. I thought about stopping over to see if, see uh, if you were yeah, there. We should have texted each other. Alan Stone was there last night. Name dropper. Yeah, I know. And speaking of name droppers, we have an excellent show for you today featuring Tim DiGiulio, Christina Kramer, and Star Anna. That's right. And uh, we're going to start things off here. Well, by the by the way, if you don't even know what this show is about, it's not only uh, Jake and I talking about missed connections and weird uh, mayo uh, <laughs> Spanish rice. Was it Spanish rice or Mexican rice? Mexican rice. rice. So it was from El Camion. It was left over from Liz's wedding, that Liz and Darren's wedding that you and I attended together right. over the weekend. So we had a uh, non-missed connection over the weekend. Correct. So this is, that is, that, what we just were talking about, that's not what the show's about. Not yet. Not yet. That'll be the spinoff called Shitty Show. So, t- <laughs> so tell them what it is about. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. So uh, the monarchreview.org is where you can go to find this this lovely, lovely show. But this is a storyteller show. So we get, you know, uh, maybe two or three, three or four bands um, or, or just luminaries, people in the Seattle area uh, who have an interesting story to tell. Um, so this week we've got uh, on the road stories, bands yep. who have some really cool stories from from touring uh, around the country. Yep. And uh, first up is Tim DiGiulio. Talking about uh, touring with his band Flight to Mars, featuring Mike McCready, Mike McCready of Pearl Jam, and uh, how he met some amazing world famous rock stars, including Ace Frehley of Kiss. Alrighty, so in 2012, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to go on tour with my uh, band called Flight to Mars, which is a band that Mike McCready and I put together. 10 years earlier as a, uh, to do charity events for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. And, uh, and it's just been one of the coolest gigs I've ever done. Mike and I are dear friends. We've known each other since you know, we were like six, seven years old. And, and we finally got to be in a band with just really loud rock and guitar. And, and so every year it just gets better and better and better. And we have an amazing, amazing uh, band, Paul Passarelli on vocals, uh, Mike Musburger on drums, Gary Westlake on bass. And it's a, uh, we spend half the time just at practice, just laughing and telling stories, and then every once in a while we'll start playing, and it's just it's just a it's a ball. And anyway, anyways, we got to go on the tour to celebrate ten years of doing this. We decided to Mike decided and his wife decided to put together a tour to try to bring awareness to the cause. And because it was a, ch- a charity event, we had to go on a budget. And Mike is in Pearl Jam, so I think he's used to you know flying places and bigger hotels. We started with you know staying at Motel Sixes and Best Westerns. Now, for everyone else in the band, it was absolutely heaven. We had our hotel room. Normally, it's you know we're staying in vans and crashing at people's floors and 
know, go and driving all night, that type of thing. So we were just, we were just happy to do it. We had a tour itinerary, the whole thing. We had some, you know, we had some crew. So for us, it was, we were spoiled, spoiled rotten. Slowly after a few days, the, we, we started calling the, the tour book, our tour itinerary, the book of lies. Cause next thing you know, we're flying to places and we're staying in fancy hotels <laughs> and the rooms are changed. So I don't know if Mike got tired of the, of the, of the, of the best Westerns or whatever, but, uh, Anyways, he called in a, he was going to try to get some special guests throughout the tour to come play with us. And, uh, and Mike and I are like huge, huge Kiss fans going back to, we're kids, you know, that's what, one of the main reasons I play guitar is Ace Frehley. And Mike and I both are just, you know, we just love his playing. And, and he told me, he, he told me he was going to try to get Ace to come play in San Diego because he lives down there now. And, and I said, yeah, whatever, you know, I, Mike, I didn't think he wasn't going to try because Mike knows people now. It's one of the things that it's, I still have a hard time getting a grip with our friendship is that he knows all these people that I could barely speak to, like Mike Campbell from Tom Petty's band or Neil Young, or actually got to meet uh, Keith Richards once back in the day. I about just about passed out. And the story story was, uh, actually, was I got to go to New York and see uh, Pearl Jam. I was happened to be on tour with another band at the time, and it coincided we were there. So this is in their early days, like in 92. And uh, they're playing New Year's Eve, the Academy of Music, off of uh, Times Square for New Year's Eve for Dick Clark's show. And it was Pearl Jam and Keith Richards, and I think it was Albert King, blues guitar player, they're playing. And, and I got to just pretty much sit up in front with, God, it was the weirdest group of people. It was John McEnroe, Bill Walton, and uh, Sean Lennon, you know, uh, uh, John Lennon's son, and myself. And it was just like really bizarre. I'm like, hi, you know, I don't know, I didn't, you don't know what to say. Sean was actually really cool. And uh, anyway, so I, you know, and I pretty much, I was a big Keith Richards fan, so I was up, up at the front yelling out, looking at the set list, and the bass player was like asking me to read off the, off the. So this is like a dream come true to me. Keith is Keith Richards is six feet away, and basically at the end of the night, he comes up and shakes my hand, and I, I the way I was told from Eddie Vedder and the guys who were sitting up. And the rafters kind of watching off the side of the stage. I just about fell over and fainted. And so they've been kind of teasing me about that for about, you know, 20 years now. So anyways, that's off, off subject. But uh, getting back to the uh, the tour with Mike, it, anyway, so we're huge Kiss fans. And we're, he told me that he was going to get try to get Ace to come down. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And, and I kind of, it was so, we had played our first show the night before and it was, Everything was going great. It's just, you know, it is, you're on the road. It's just a lot of stuff going on, a lot of waiting. And, and I had kind of forgotten about it. And so we're at dinner after sound check, this beautiful Argentinian restaurant, and we're hanging out, talking, telling stories, having fun. And I decided that I needed to go take a nap. We weren't going to go on until 11. It's about 5 o'clock. I'm like, there's no way. I mean, life on the road, it's, you got to pace yourself because it's just, you know, just hurry up and wait. Just, you know, waiting for the sound people, getting city to city and, sitting in a van by the side of the club waiting for the club owner to open up. That's what a lot of being on the road is, or 90%, seems like 90% of it it is. But uh, so I decided to go sleep a little bit. And I come back to the gig, and Mike is amped. You know, I take a nap, I come back to the gig, and Mike is just amped. You know, he's kind of arguing with his, you know, his, some of his buddies were working security, and he was just seemed like he just was off. I don't know what was up. We uh, There was a his wife... Ashley, who's just amazing. She did such a great job. And Chris Adams, the tour manager, they were they were doing raffles because for a charity event. So they're doing raffling off a lot of Pearl Jam stuff for the cause. And and it seemed like 
Mike <laughs> seemed like Mike was just like tell him to get off stage and hurry up and hurry up. And I'm like, I didn't know what what was going on, you know. I was like, whatever. And so, anyways, long story short, we do the show and we're doing we're doing a great show. And in the end of the night, Mike and I trade guitar solos back and forth on this one signature song called Rock Bottom. It's a UFO song, and uh, Mike does his thing. And it always sucks to follow him because he's just insane how good he is. comes up to me and goes make it short and I'm like great I'm not on tonight I must I must God I must be playing terrible whatever and I and all of a sudden I, I kind of I do the song and I finish it up and I look over and there's just kind of a bunch of there's a bunch of flashlights a bunch of weird stuff going off on the side of the stage and I kind of look over and I see Paul our singer you know Santa Claus of rock big jovial guy huge beard just he's carrying a guitar that's tuned to uh E flat, which is well how we play our we play a kiss song sometimes at the end of the night. It's just kind of a fun, fun jam we do. And uh, he's bringing that guitar out, and I'm like, I wonder why he's handing me my guitar. We're not playing it's on the set, and it's supposed to be packed up. I'm not using that tonight. And he goes, "You're singing." I'm like, "What? What are you talking about?" And I look over, and right behind him is Ace Frehley, standing there, and it's just chaos. Whole club just erupts. It's just absolutely nuts. And I'm just like, I might totally got me, you know. And the story was when I was at dinner, I, the literally within ten seconds of me just actually giving him a hug and saying, I'll see you in a few minutes. I'll see you back at the back of the show. Ace called Mike, you know, and I guess Mike had been calling him and trying to be in touch with him for about three months. And Ace Freely is just a total character. It's from, you know, that, that super thick Bronx accent, you know, 70s. He's just, hey, hey, Curly. Hey, what you doing, man? Hey, what do you, you know, he just has that thing. And you're just like, what, you know? And Mike's like, he goes, ah, eh. he goes, sorry, I didn't get back to you. I was doing a, you know what it's like? I was doing European phoners. I'm like, and Mike was, you did European phoners for two freaking months? <laughs> it's like, yeah, they suck. It takes me about four hours. But anyway, so so he, <laughs> so he, Ace calls, calls him back and he set up a time of like, well, this is classic Ace Frilly. So, uh, well, I want to come down. When are you playing? I, I just got a new uh, Lamborghini. You got a place I can park it? And Mike's like, well, there's a parking garage across the street. <laughs> and Mike's like, wait a second, I just told Ace Freely to go to a parking garage. Like, so, and he goes, so he snapped into action. He called these guys, which is why Mike was so uptight at the gig. He was trying to arrange so they would, he would, he basically, Ace was just going to drive around. And then one of Mike's buddies was going to call him on his cell, tell him when we're on our last song. He was going to pull up. They're going to watch his car. We got up on stage and just played. And then he'd get off in his Lamborghini and drive off like a 70s rock star should into the night. And, and so that's pretty much what happened. We just kill. We we play, and I sang, and I'm not. I'm, I play the guitar, and I sing a little bit. I've got more comfortable my voice, but I got to sing Black Diamond with Mike and Ace Frehley, and we got to I got to do a dual lead with him, and it was it was just crazy. We killed it. It was it was it was unbelievable, you know. And he he uh, complimented me on my playing, and we got to shake hands and stuff, and it, it was one of those bucket lists. I didn't even a bucket list. I don't even need a list anymore. I just that was it. I jammed with Ace Frehley, and that was it was. It was amazing. And that tour itself was just, was unreal. You know, it, we, the next night we played, we, and we played the Troubadour in Los Angeles and we played with Matt Montench from Tom Petty's band, Duff McKagan did Let There Be Rock by ACDC with him. And it was, so I, 
this that this story isn't um, a hardship story. This is just the fun fruits of the labor labor of playing all these years, you know, in a van, just you know, with like I say, crashing on people's floors, just doing my thing, which I love it. I'm really privileged to be in a be able to play with all the people I played and do what I do. But I got to go on tour for about ten days down the coast and play with you know, Ann Wilson of Heart, Jacob Dylan, Brad Whitford of Aerosmith. It was just was just a nonstop of who's who's and I just my head was spinning the whole time and and I did my show you know I came back to Seattle we played with with Ann Wilson it was just amazing and the next day I had to go wait tables (laughs) that's pretty much been my life (laughs) and now we're back thanks Tim yeah, thanks, Tim. It's like we were there with you the whole time. Actually, I was there with Tim were... when he was telling the story. You, Jake, had something, quote unquote, else better to do. What was what were you doing that day? I was in the I... hospital. I was visiting my friend who hurt his foot. And different friend, because I know you hurt your foot also. I did hurt my foot. Bandages yeah, it is. Bruised it's stuff, bruised. But, um, yeah, like visited, my heart. Did, yeah, well, I did visit a different friend. Um when and you then, when you let off saying that you were in the hospital, all of a sudden my heartstrings got tugged, and I thought you were going to say that you were in the hospital for your for yourself, like no. you were having your gallbladder removed. Mm-mm. My gall can pee just fine; it still has the bladder. You have some gall <laughs> talking to me like that. Speaking of gall, our next story is from Starianna. Something in the air. All right, so let's see. Uh, I was on tour. Um, this was this was like uh, right after uh, me and my old band had uh, gotten to do the PJ20 in Alpine Valley. And so on this tour, there was a lot of shows where we played to, you know, maybe three or four people. But three out of the four people that came to those shows had either heard about us through Pearl Jam or seen us at, at the Alpine Valley show. So we were in Long Beach, and we were playing at a bar called Alex's, which is where scenes from True Blood were filmed uh, as the bar Fantasia. And uh, we got there, and there wasn't, like, a, a lot of people there, but a, a decent amount. And uh, there was this area kind of near the bar where there's a couple couches set up and that's where we were sitting. And then like right directly behind us at the bar was this, um, force stop it. Sorry. My dog is trying to hump the other dog. Hands in my way. Okay. And, uh, right directly behind us at the, at the like corner side of the bar was this couple. And, uh, I, I kind of have a feeling that they were on like a first date so I wouldn't call it a date so much as um, two drunk people wanting to have sex with each other. And the girl just, like, just kept getting more and more drunk. She was wearing, like, a little jean skirt. And every time the dude would motion towards the bartender, I'd think, like, oh, he's 
you know, going to get the check. They're going to get out of here because she is pretty drunk. And, uh, but every time he would order another drink. And as time went on, you know, they kept getting sloppier. And at one point she was just sort of like grinding her ass into his crotch area. I don't know if you've ever seen that SNL skit where it's the closing time and there's just the two grossest people left at the bar and uh, Gluey CK did one of them. Anyways, it was kind of like that. And now I can't remember if it was before or after, but at one point the girl got up to go to the bathroom and this dude comes over to us and he's like, oh, hey, I came to see you guys. Uh, Is Mike McCready going to be here? Uh, who's the guitar player for Pearl Jam. And I was just sort of like, no, he couldn't make the show. But the guy was a, was a Pearl Jam fan and had come to the show in hopes of seeing Mike, I guess. <laughs> but it was just us, so uh, he went back to his seat and Sloppy Girl came back out and we just sort of sat there as they started to entangle themselves. And then uh, at one point, he was just full-on finger-banging her at the bar. Nobody seemed to care. And there was this really creepy old Native American dude standing behind them with his back against the wall, just kind of watching them. Uh, And this went on for kind of a while. And then I believe they got kicked out during our set which was kind of a bummer because there was not a lot of people there. But that would be the grossest thing that I had to see on tour. Oh, and I got to say, too, he seemed kind of bummed, but also just, like, accepting the fact that he was going to go home and sleep with her. Like, he wasn't all that excited about it, but... He's just like, well, I guess I'm having sex with this now. There it is. <laughs> Whoop, there it is. Star Anna just told us a really, really great tale about her time on the road. Uh, and if you don't know Star Anna... She's incredible. Mm-hmm. She um, she uh, was gracious enough to play the uh, Oso benefit that the Monarch threw um, that we raised $12,000 for. Which was really great. It was oh so cool. wonderful. Oh so wonderful. See what wonderful. I did there? I do, I do, I do. I do. All jokes aside, she was great. So so were uh, La Luz and Mary Lambert. Yep. It was a super great night, and I just love Star's uh, music. Her CD, uh, Go to Hell, which was released maybe about eight months ago, is amazing. People should pick it up and listen to it, and her voice is incredible. Yeah, and we're going to have all of these links up at, uh, what, maybe the monarchreview.org. Also, our SoundCloud yep. page, we're going to link to all of the band's yep. uh, information. Um, but coming up for you right now um, on the Monarch Review podcast, Storytellers. That's the official title, right? Yeah, sure. You seem really on board with this, Jake. I'm reluctant until we start getting a sponsor, but uh, but for now, that's the working title. Are you an alcoholic? Why do you need a sponsor? What's going on? Is there something that you need to tell me? Next up, Christina Kramer. Right. She's in a band called In Cahoots, and uh, they just got back from a tour, and uh, 
they've got some really crazy stories to tell, and we're going to hear one of them right now. Right now. Now. Right now. Right now. Then it strikes again With its vital flights Take another pill And I'll be So my first year at South by Southwest, we caravaned down with a bunch of other bands. It was my band in cahoots and the wonderful band Sightseer and the Furniture Girls, who were all very close. We're like a big band family. Um, but we were just getting to know each other at this point. So there was a lot of drinking and chatting and, you know, they were cool people, but not really as close as we are now. And one of the experiences that kind of has lent to us laughing about all of our experiences on the road was when we went to Austin for South by Southwest and when they left me at the gas station and I cried. Um, we had a big band van. People had been drinking. I was sunburned and hot and it was like the fourth day. So you're kind of reaching that. Ugh, I really need a shower. I miss home. You know, I'm sick of sleeping with two other people in a bed. So we're going to go explore Austin and just kind of relax for the day. So we're somewhere downtown. I, sh I still don't really know where we were. And we stopped to get gas. And there, I think there were 11 people in the van just crammed in. And I had to go to the bathroom because I'm always having to go to the bathroom. So I ran in, used the bathroom, came out, and there was no van. And I didn't have my purse or my cell phone or anything. I didn't know where I was. I didn't have anyone's phone numbers memorized. Like, I don't know how many people know their friends' phone numbers anymore. I don't. So... I went and talked to the attendant, and that's when I broke down and just started crying. And he didn't speak English very well, but he gave me a hug. And um, we got on his phone, and I couldn't find anyone's cell phone number who was in the van, but I found my drummer's phone number online for his cell phone. So he was still at the hotel, and he came and picked me up, and we went and got donuts, I remember, and he gave me lots of hugs. And I was very angry at the other bands for leaving me there. It was my almost famous moment. But uh, from then on out, they felt really bad about it. I guess they were trying to ask me a question a couple miles down the road. And <laughs> we're like, Christina, do you think we should go get barbecue? Christina? Christina? And then they didn't remember where they left me. So even now, they're like, you know, we're sorry we left you at the gas station. It was your almost famous moment. We really love you, <laughs> even though we left you there. So that was my first kind of on-the-road experience that I was not prepared for. Um, our first tour, we went to Medford, Oregon, as I think our second stop. And Medford is just a lovely metropolis filled with methed-up people, um, crime, lots of trailers. I'm sure there are nice parts. We didn't see any of the nice parts. And we were on Yelp trying to find a nice hotel, and all of them were like, the reviews were like, urine-soaked, you know, gunshots, don't stay here. So we were just kind of cruising down the motel lane in Medford, and we just see all these people, like, peering out windows, looking like they hadn't slept in a week. And finally we found an okay hotel, um, motel, we went and played our show, and we were exhausted and came back later that night to unload. And we noticed all these stains on the bed sheets, just really questionable stains. And it looked like someone, between the time that we had checked in 
and came back to the hotel. They'd stashed stolen furniture in the room. There was like a big screen TV and chairs and electronics. And that just struck me as odd. I think there was some crime involved. The next morning, after I had slept in my sleeping bag because I didn't want to get bed bugs, uh, I hopped in the shower and noticed that it was covered in blood. (laughs) And it looked like there was a tear in the shower curtain, so there might have been a psycho moment happening. Um, Everyone was alarmed. We got the hell out of Medford, and the rest of the tour was pretty nice. The last tour we went on, I just got back from, and we stopped in downtown L.A., and it was kind of this dive. I can't remember the name of the club, but really nice people, um, really great bar, kind of hidden gem of a place. But uh, Ham and Eggs Tavern, that's what it was called. So we were unloading and we noticed <clears throat> on the street corner there was a naked woman from the top up. She did have underwear on who was drinking a box of wine and singing. And she remained there for the rest of the evening, just chilling on the corner, topless, dancing and singing. Um, she's now my spirit animal because she had no shame. And so we played. We played really well. There was a good crowd there. We made a lot of friends. And we come outside, and there are a bunch of police officers. And they had been called as a noise complaint. And they're going to shut the show down. But thankfully, you know, we just finished up. The police officers were pretty cute. And we got to talking, and we made friends with the police officers. And they wanted to hear us play a little bit more. So the police officers who were there to shut us down asked us to go back up and start rocking out again. And after a couple of songs, they're like, "Okay, that's too much. That's too much. You guys are great. But, you know, and they had a beer with us. I think that's not something that police officers should be doing. But, yeah, it was it was a good time. We turned the authorities into friends. there it is in cahoots thanks everybody is that it you're trying to wrap this up so quickly yep (laughs) (laughs) do you have to go to the bathroom or something maybe go to the hospital my gallbladder go see your sponsor I mean you are falling apart this is what happens when you eat Mexican rice with mayonnaise what kind of mayo Hellman's Hallman's whatever the you don't even know the name (laughs) go to Hellman's man was it light mayo? Was it mayo with no. olive oil in it? Nope. Just it was fat, just, just loaded with fat mayonnaise. Mixed in with like two-week-old uh, <laughs> microwaved Mexican rice. Sounds delicious. Now, what was the inspiration to do this? Please tell the people the recipe and how to make it at home. It sounds really in, in, uh, involved. Well, first you take a giant tray from a wedding. You have you steal one? <laughs> no, it was, it was given to me. It was in the... In the rush to un- unpack and get the- get out of the room, it was given to me. You take it, put it in your refrigerator for maybe four or five days, and then here's the trick. Now, is there something on this rack? Uh, there's Mexican fried rice inside of it. Oh. Crucial detail. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, Jake. <laughs> and then you you put it in your refrigerator, mm-hmm. and then when you microwave it, and here's the here's the insider's tip, you put a little water on it, because usually when you microwave something, it... it Dehydrates it and dries right. it out. Yeah. This is science, people. So if you put a little water on it, then it'll be r- remain fluffy. 
And then that's what I usually put on my penis when it's getting a little bit dried out to fluff it up a little bit of water. All right. <laughs> and then you just put in a little mayonnaise. Mix it up. Yeah. And then it's Mexican rice salad. <laughs> Jake, have you forgotten to take your medication? Then it's Mexican rice rainbows. I don't I don't understand. Well, it's like pasta salad. It's just like pasta with mayonnaise, right? No, there's usually some veggies in there. Egg salad? Potato salad? Fine. We'll use the term salad loosely here. <laughs> One victory for nutrition? Thank you. Well, this has been the Monarch Review podcast, themonarchreview.org. Um, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks with some more hopefully very entertaining and somewhat nuanced stories. Again, please get back on your pills. Now. Thank you.